Well, if they just looked within their own company, they could learn a lot of what they need uh, to to adapt and evolve just through the younger, potentially more more junior team members. Welcome to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom, a podcast where we provide insights, tips, and inspiration for college students and young professionals so they can make a really successful transition from college life to the professional world and beyond. My name is Andy Malinsky, and I'm your host. I'm also a professor of organizational behavior and international management at Brandeis University's International Business School, where we record and produce this podcast. Today's guest is George Clement, who is a co-founder of JustFix.NYC, a nonprofit that supports tenants facing harassment and poor housing conditions with technology to build well-documented cases and connect with community and legal advocates. George is also a Kennedy Fellow studying the intersection of technology and public policy at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. Previously, George was a fellow with Blue Ridge Labs at the Robin Hood Foundation and a product manager at General Assembly, leading the expansion of General Assembly's business programs around the world. George is a New Yorker with a BA in Sociology and African Studies from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and was recently selected as a Forbes 30 Under 30 in Law and Policy, a World Economic Forum Global Shaper, and an American Express Emerging Innovator. I'm really happy to have George with us here today on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Great. So let's jump right in. And I'd love to hear a bit about uh, what you do now. Like, What's your job? How long you've been doing it? Do you like it? You know, give us a sense of, of what you're up to. So I feel incredibly, incredibly lucky. I absolutely love the work that I do. As you mentioned, I'm one of the co-founders of Just Fix NYC. Uh, we're a bit of a unique entity in that we uh, look very much and operate very much like a tech startup, but uh, we're actually a nonprofit. Uh, and so we're trying to uh, apply the same kind of uh, technology and data techniques that are very common in this for-profit sort of Silicon Valley world uh, to help address uh, a really critical problem in New York City and in cities across the country. Uh, and so our team is a very interdisciplinary team uh, made up of uh, folks who are coming more from technology backgrounds, as well as people coming from uh, community organizing, tenant organizing specifically. Uh, so I'm splitting my time these days between uh, Brooklyn, New York, where uh, Just Fix NYC is based, and also uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, uh, as a fellow here at uh, Harvard Kennedy School as well. So tell us about the organization. What do you do? Like if I, what would be a good example of where your organization would be super useful? So there are over a million New Yorkers uh, across all five boroughs that live in what the city defines as deficient housing. So that is an apartment, if you can imagine, that has uh, three or more major violations present and unaddressed at any given time. So these are things like lead paint, uh, black mold, 
lack of heat or hot water, rats and cockroaches, any of these issues uh, would be really uh, difficult and frustrating to deal with and dangerous uh, to deal with just one. And so you're talking about over a million people in New York City alone that are living in uh, conditions that uh, can be quite dangerous and unhealthy. So we are supporting those New Yorkers to take action to improve the conditions in their apartments. We help those uh, tenants with a simple self-help uh, web-based tool to uh, take action and take uh, various steps. So think of it as TurboTax for taking action against your landlord, where an individual tenant can uh, build out their case. So that means uploading photo evidence, completing a checklist of issues that they're dealing with, uh, and any other kind of communications that they've had with their management company or uh, super in their building. And then we streamline their ability to uh, report these issues to the city uh, or send notices to their landlord or actually uh, start a case uh, in housing court. So that is our primary tool for individual tenants. And then the other side of our work is really supporting the really rich ecosystem of uh, advocates across the city. So from community organizations to policymakers to legal aid providers and helping them uh, with data to be able to do very targeted work. So focusing their work and outreach uh, at the buildings and the neighborhoods that uh, are most at risk uh, and helping them to have the data to um, create really uh, compelling, strong organizing actions or legal cases. Wow, really cool. So so let's rewind. It sounds super interesting, a really worthwhile and meaningful organization. Let's rewind. And you said that you went to, um, or I told, I said that you went to the University of Wisconsin. So you were there, you were a student. Tell us what you majored in. Um, tell us about your college experience. And then I'd love to fill in the gaps between that and what you're doing right now. Yeah, so... Ironically, uh, when I started at University of Wisconsin, I was in the business school. I was planning on uh, majoring in management or finance. And I took my first accounting class and didn't do so well. And uh, realized that it was not a topic that was very uh, interesting to me. Um, and the business courses that I took felt very general and abstract, and they just didn't um, get me excited. That same year, I took a couple of courses in uh, the sociology department and uh, met a couple professors that were really fantastic and got really interested in sociology as a discipline and studying uh, inequality in various areas of, of life um, in the U.S. and uh, globally. And so I ended up switching to majoring in, in sociology and and not looking back from there. Wow, interesting. So so then so then what was your first job experience after college? So I was always very interested in in politics. Uh, so my first job out of college was actually working on a congressional campaign of someone who was um, running against uh, Charlie Rangel. Uh, to represent in Congress, um, basically Upper Manhattan, so Harlem and the South Bronx. Uh, that campaign did not go so well. 
Uh, we didn't get much more than I think 11 or 12 percent of the vote. Uh, Charlie Rangel was a 20 term incumbent or something like that. He had been in office literally for decades. And so it was a very uh, big hurdle um, with that election. But it was really fascinating to, to get to work on the campaign and be very involved in the day to day. After that campaign, you know, with a sociology degree, you're sort of uh, interested in a lot of things and prepared for virtually no particular jobs uh, except going into academia. And so I was open to um, lots of different uh, types of, of job opportunities. A friend who had started working in technology encouraged me to look at small companies, you know, some of these startups that were emerging in New York. And uh, one of the lists of companies that I looked at uh, was from Y Combinator, which is uh, sort of the most famous tech accelerator in the U.S. Uh, based out in the Bay Area. And there was an education uh, startup that had just graduated from Y Combinator, and uh, the founders were moving back to New York. It was very small. They uh, were a founding team of three with a couple employees. And I was lucky enough to join that team uh, soon after the congressional campaign ended, basically as a generalist. They sort of needed somebody uh, young and eager and willing to not make very much money because they had raised a very small seed round that could do a little bit of everything. Uh, so for that first year, I was uh, working at this company. It was called Tutorspree. Uh, it was basically an online tutoring marketplace. And I was doing uh, everything from customer service to sales to marketing and operations, uh, working very closely with uh, two of the founders, the CEO and the COO, and uh, basically got to build out over the course of that year a team of folks who were doing sales and customer service and marketing and got to really touch lots of different aspects of the company and, and really see what it took to uh, bring a company from you know one uh, customer to a hundred customers to a thousand to ten thousand, and after that year, you know the company sort of fizzled out a little bit, and the founders chose to leave. And uh, I was sort of sitting there thinking about you know I I did so many different things in that role in the course of a year. Uh, what was it that I was most intrigued by, most interested in? focusing on in my next role. And I was lucky enough to get introduced to folks at General Assembly, a slightly later stage uh, startup in the education space in New York, um, and absolutely fell in love with what General Assembly was doing and joined General Assembly basically a year and a half after I had graduated. Really interesting story. It's funny, like there are points about it that pop out to me like... Um like you started with your eyes open, you were, you know, the, <clears throat> this is the, you know, looking for opportunities early on. You, you, um, you tapped your network. You said that a friend of yours who had studied, you know, who started working in technology, hooked you up with this Y Combinator startup. So, so, so that's, that's building, that's tapping your network. A lot of young people right out of college don't think of like their friends as a network, but they're a network, right? So it's kind of interesting, Absolutely. you know, it's interesting how you did this and, and, and you were young, you were eager, you're willing to be poor. <laughs> but you wanted to learn a lot. It's almost like you traded traded like tons of learning for for money, in which is a pretty good trade early on. 
Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was, you know, also had the fortune of my, my parents were living in New York. I could live with them for a period of time. New York city is an extremely expensive place to live. And so, um, that is not something that everybody can do and have access to. Um, so there's, there's certainly, you know, an element of, um, uh, risk taking, um, that is available because, uh, my parents sort of had a spare bedroom, um, you know, in their two bedroom apartment uh, in New York. Um, right. Yeah. I would say, I would say in, in terms of, um, network building, that is absolutely been the single largest driver of um, getting from uh, step to step in my career thus far. You know, I didn't go through these sort of large uh, traditional interview processes like out of Wisconsin, you know, interviewing at consulting firms or for finance jobs, that kind of thing. I always had sort of slightly non-traditional internships during college. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't interested in, in working in these big um, corporations where it would have been a more uh, clearly defined path. And so when you're creating your own path, it very much comes from meeting people and getting introductions. And I must have had uh, 20 different um, interviews or informal interviews that were, uh, you know, getting coffee or getting a drink with somebody who maybe knew someone useful or was maybe hiring. Let me just uh, let me just pause you. Failure rate there. Yeah, let me just pause you for a sec because I think that's super important, and I just want to kind of put a point on this for anyone listening. Is there like, is there anything that you would recommend people do? So you're having all these coffee meetings. I've done I've done this too in previous points in my career. Having a lot of coffee meetings, meeting a lot of people, being introduced to a lot of people. Like, how do you make the best of that? Like, do you? I'm just making this up. Do you create a spreadsheet on Excel where you kind of keep track of who you've talked to, what you talked about, and when to contact them again? Do you hook up with them on LinkedIn? Is it something else? Like, what's your what's? Do you have any process or any tips about how to kind of not only do it but leverage it? Yeah, I would say um, going into each of those conversations, um, maybe with a particular goal in mind, but also being open-minded, um, you know, communicating that you are um, that you are willing to be. Uh, in my case, that I was willing to be scrappy and just wanted to learn uh, about a lot of different areas. Given I didn't have a very particular uh, sort of subject area of interest. Um, Education was was an area that sort of came naturally and, and emerged after a handful of conversations. Both of my parents are public school teachers in New York City. And so uh, that was sort of a, a topic of dinner table conversation throughout my childhood. And so talking about education came naturally to me. And that ended up being where uh, this path started. Um, and so, you know, letting things sort of start to happen organically, um, but communicating that you, you simply want your foot in the door, uh, and you want to, you want to work with really good people in terms of process, you know, I didn't have a super structured process with a spreadsheet or, or templates or anything like that. I would say I look back at some of my old emails and I cringe at, uh, how silly they sound now, um, you know, both because of, of uh, being overly formal in some ways, 
and also just sort of the the structure, you know, signing things, signing off on emails with sincerely and that kind of thing, you know, things that I would I would absolutely never do now. But there's a level of you know formality sort of uh, shows that you're that you're serious and professional when you are um, really young. So you know, being really humble when you're 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 getting started and not expecting that you're going to get some sort of dream job or. Um, some some perfect role that you've had uh, in your mind. Yeah, really interesting. Let's let's move to some pointed questions. Um, and the first one is about misconceptions. Do you mm-hmm. can you think of any um, sort of misconceptions young professionals, people graduating college, jumping into the professional world that they have about entering that world? Yeah, I would say the the outside perception of of millennials is certainly that um you know people expect uh promotions and lots of responsibility and recognition right away that won't come in the vast majority of workplaces and so uh i think you know a lot of people still go in thinking that that they they do deserve those, that kind of uh rapid ascension and so this this perception of millennials in that way is uh, fairly accurate as far as I've seen, actually. Uh, and so, again, learning to be humble is, is really important um, to, to counter that. I would also say a little bit more, more tactically is that most people aren't necessarily getting an undergrad education that is going to prepare them uh, with the kind of hard skills that most people need in the workplace. This is exactly the gap that uh, General Assembly was looking to fill when they started this movement of coding boot camps and then expanded it to other subjects like product management, user experience design, data analytics, that kind of thing. I'm still always shocked at seeing that you can graduate with a four-year degree in marketing and not know uh, how to run a Facebook ad. And when you look at companies' marketing spend, uh, Facebook and Instagram and Google ads um, are the vast majority of their marketing spend at this point. And uh, it's just really fascinating to see this sort of real skills gap between what people learn in their undergraduate degrees, where if you're graduating with a marketing degree, you most definitely feel like I should be prepared to do a marketing job. And there's still this big gap in, in actually knowing how to execute in that role uh, when you get into that job. So still acknowledging that um, there's going to be a lot of ongoing learning that you're going to need to do even when you step foot uh, into your first role. Interesting. And then and then actually, it's, it's sort of an interesting twist on what you just mentioned. Are there skills... So another question, are there skills or knowledge from college that I guess for you ended up being useful? I mean, there's I, I fully agree with you about this gap and it's an interesting point you make. How about the reverse? What, what, what if anything was helpful or useful and was anything helpful or useful, I don't know, in an unexpected way? Yeah, I would say, you know, in, in terms of, of sort of soft skills, simply, you know, time management and, and being well organized uh, is something that's, that's critical in college. Uh, if you're you're an active person with a full course load, you have a lot to balance at once. And uh, work life is no different than that. You may have multiple projects that you're working on at work, in addition to 
you know, a social life and other kinds of professional development and that kind of thing outside of work. So um, that kind of time management uh, is really critical. And, and, you know, it might be something that you start getting really good at in high school also, potentially. The biggest thing to me is, you know, I, I, I think I, I started being more, more uh, proactive and motivated um, in sort of an intellectual way towards the end of college. And that kind of intellectual curiosity in college led me to do research and independent study with a particular uh, sociology professor of mine that was really fantastic. And um, that's something that has been incredibly important is um, sort of being opportunistic, uh, but seeking out those opportunities. When you find a, uh, a subject area or a person that you feel like um, you are really interested in learning more about um, and you feel yourself naturally gravitating towards, that interest will make it that much easier to uh, learn more on that topic and um, succeed in that area because that comes across when you uh, talk about your work uh, if you are genuinely interested in it instead of, uh, you know, I have friends who certainly go to work. They're there from nine to six or seven and they go home and they have compartmentalized these parts of their life. And when you ask them about their work, they're not terribly excited. Um, so being proactive and following those threads when you see yourself gravitating towards something uh, is really important. And that's certainly something that um, started in sort of the more academic context later on in college for me. Oh, very cool. Um, and, and speaking of academic context, let's hear, uh, let's hear our student question of the day. This question comes from Amanda. I'm going to play it for you and then you'll have a chance to respond. So let's listen to Amanda. Hi, my name is Amanda and I'm a college student majoring in biology and neuroscience and I'm from Quincy, Massachusetts. So I'm graduating college soon and I just want to ask, uh, what did you do within the year you graduated college? And looking back now, would you have done anything differently? All right. So she's asking, it looks like, about immediately after college. And you kind of answered that one. But any more thoughts about it? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say, um, given the sort of career path I've, I've gone down, I really benefited from getting... Um, this sort of uh, broad spectrum of, of, of skills and um, insight across an organization at uh, Tudor Spree. I also have come full circle a little bit um, in terms of, you know, being here at, at, at the Kennedy School um, after working on a congressional campaign as sort of the very first internship I got when I graduated from college. Um, that has still been a thread. And at Just Fix NYC, we do a lot of work with elected officials. Um, so even though that wasn't something that uh, I continued immediately, it is something I've been able to pick back up. And I think that's an important thing is while, while there may seem to be um, these sort of deviations in your path, um, there can be intersections later on in your career. Uh, and I've gotten to um, continue working on some in in you know an intersection uh, with politics and policy um, uh, at this point, and uh, it's just really exciting to see um, 
you know, the ability to sort of uh, go back to some of these these previous interests. And I would say, you know, if there are things that uh, people are excited about and they feel like the first job that they get isn't directly uh, about that topic, don't panic. Careers are extremely long. You talk about people having, you know, three, four, five different careers over the span of their life, um, but also intersection of, of various careers and various topics of interest uh, is always possible. Yeah, I like that. So take the long view. Um, uh, so we're nearing the end and, and, uh, and this has been super interesting. Um, I have a couple of sort of quick fire questions for you. Um, the first one is, uh, what gets you motivated at work? So absolutely the impact that we make when we hear from uh, tenants that you know, they um, were worried that uh, they were going to lose their home, that they were going to be evicted, or they were living in conditions that were um, extremely dangerous for, for them or their families. Um, when those issues get resolved, uh, that is, is incredibly um, humbling and, and motivating to continue doing that work. Uh, and I would say also hearing from folks a change in, in sort of um, their their belief and their attitude toward their towards their situation. So um, feeling uh, empowered to uh, to take this action themselves um, and stand up uh, for their rights is really um, exciting and, and very much motivates uh, myself and everybody on on my team. Um, and I would say the other thing is um, one of my favorite aspects uh, of of my role now is getting to hire the people that I work with. And uh, that basically means every time I go into the office, I see um, people that um, I really, really respect uh, that bring an incredible attitude and passion to the work. And um, that is so fun. It is really rare and really lucky to be able to sort of choose the people that, that you work with. Interesting. And in uh, how about... Um in terms of, I guess, the people that you work with, can you say a bit about mentoring? So um, based on your experience of being a mentor, perhaps to some of these people you just mentioned, uh, maybe it's having had mentors of your own, and you talked a little bit about that earlier with maybe some professors. What do you think makes a for a good mentor for young professionals, and how should someone find one? Yeah. So I, I do think it's a misconception that uh, the folks think, you know, people that are experienced, that are later stage in their career, uh, don't have enough time or aren't interested uh, in talking to them. When in, in fact, I think many great leaders really love the opportunity to talk to folks that are early in their career and give them advice um, on you know, what direction to take, that kind of thing. So uh, certainly encourage people to be very proactive and and don't be afraid that uh, someone might not have time to pencil you into their schedule uh, for a few weeks. Um, that's totally fine. You know, take advantage of, of those opportunities. I would say the other thing is mentors understanding that the learning is, is two ways. Uh, so I think every... Um, great mentor that, that I've had and certainly uh, relationship that I've had with um, everybody on the teams that I've worked on is that everybody is learning, whether you are the more senior or the more junior person. 
Um, it's not a one directional transfer of information. Um, every leader should um, understand that they have just as much to learn from um, the folks that they are uh, working with, and that might be lower in the in the totem pole in their organization. You know, when when you look at lots of these larger traditional corporations now, they're worried about disruption and and you know digital transformation and that kind of thing. Well, if they just looked within their own company, they could learn a lot of what they need uh, to to adapt and evolve um, just through the younger, potentially more more junior team members. Hmm, interesting. Um, this has been great. I want to ask you one last question. Um, now, you talked about your experience at Wisconsin, which sounds like a really interesting college experience. You're older now, more experienced, done a lot of cool stuff. If you could sort of transport yourself back in time for a moment and speak to your you know, 20-year-old college version of yourself, is there a piece of advice you might give that version of yourself back then? And if so, what might that be? Wow. There's a lot of advice, uh, some that I'll, I'll share here and some that I, <laughs> I would share privately. I would say everything is, is, is going to be okay. And again, if it might feel like a very winding path, that's fine. It is an exploration. It's, it's, uh, it, can, you know, it can feel um, worrisome uh, at points that there doesn't seem to necessarily be a North Star or if there is that that shifts a little bit, that's that's totally natural and and not to worry. Uh, and some of the opportunities that end up being the greatest opportunities for for growth and learning don't feel like option number one uh, at any given moment. So you know, sort of uh, rolling with the punches and and using every single opportunity and and hurdle that comes at you as a learning experience um, and an experience to grow, learn more about yourself is really, really critical. And, you know, again, this is, uh, careers are very long and they're not going to be simple uh, steps, you know, one through five. Um, So just view everything as uh, an opportunity to grow, for sure. And how do you think the 20-year-old version of yourself would respond to that advice? Uh, Probably, yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) Thanks, sounds great. Sounds like a nice motivational speech. (laughs) All right, we're at the end of our chat. Thanks so much for for joining joining us today. Um, Can you tell listeners how they can find out more about you and the work that that you're doing? Absolutely. Uh, So you can go to uh, our website for Just Fix NYC at justfix.nyc. Uh, so .nyc instead of .org or .com. Um, on Twitter, at JustFixNYC. Uh, and you can find us on, on Facebook as well. All right, great. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, very interesting episode. So I have here Sabrina, Manus, Ali, and Kevin. Uh, and let's talk about it. What'd you guys think of the episode? I mean, I really enjoyed listening to this episode, particularly because I love how unique the company he founded is. And I mean, just with my own experience of living off campus now, like if his company continues to progress, especially us being based in the Boston area. That, for me personally, is very (laughs) exciting to learn about. Has anyone ever had bad landlord experiences? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. All right. 
All right, George, you got a new market here, Boston. How about anyone else? What, what struck you about this episode? Yeah, so one of the things that um, really like stayed with me was when he was talking about his first job outside of college. So right now, we are all in a similar situation and we're looking for the dream job. But he spoke about like what, that it's not important about getting the dream job, but what's important is learning the right skills. So even if even though he wasn't in, like, in a big company and he was in a startup right after college, he still learned really important skills that are helping him right now. Yeah, I think one of the most engaging points of this for me, and for those of you listening who haven't tuned into our last two episodes with Maya Pope-Chapelle and Catherine Dikas, I'm starting to see this theme of moving between um, your different disciplines. And George even mentions the way in which there's these intersections, like his first job with a congressional campaign, um, starting to kind of creep its way into his current career. Um, as we become more multidisciplinary. It becomes really easy um, to take a major like sociology and apply those same morals to a company like a tech startup. So I really, really enjoyed that. I also really like how he stays humble and always saying that there's always something to learn. And he also chases after his passion, and I think it's really important for everyone. I think that's a good point, too. And and to echo Kevin's point also... um, I was struck with the um, with the Maya Pope Chappelle episode, the Catherine Dikas episode, and also the first episode, the Jim DeSico episode. How I guess non-linear people's career paths are. I think in college you start to think, "Gosh, I got to get that perfect job. I have to start, you know, in this perfect situation." In by the way, in some careers and in some industries, that that is like super important. But in but in many, it's not. And people, uh, especially in the U.S., I would say, often have kind of very circuitous careers and they discover things and then they they notice other things and then they move along this path and that path. And I think, I mean, you're going to hear next week about someone who really did that. And it's 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 a it's going to be a very exciting story. Um, how about career career stuff? What what did you learn? And maybe some of this we just talked about, but any career advice that, that sort of jumped out to you from this episode? Yeah, when uh, when he was uh, when he asked him to say something to his eighteen-year-old self, like what he said, like we've heard it a lot, but it's difficult at this age to like register that. So he said that something along the lines of like, don't worry, everything's gonna pan out and everything's gonna be fine. So even right, even though I know that maybe ten years in the future everything might be fine, it's like difficult to accept that right now, mm-hmm. and. We've just constantly heard that theme, so that's just something that's been staying with me. They all, I have to tell you, like, everyone says that. Like, I mean, I've had the benefit of already having interviewed many more people than all you have heard, because, you know, for upcoming episodes. And everyone has such great sort of empathy for their past self, (laughs) which makes me think that people are pretty nervous coming out of college. Um, Anyone else on career stuff? You know what, something I loved that I was really taken aback by was when he mentioned how formal his emails used to be. And I sort of realized that too in my own professional development. I am sending emails to these people who are already in the professional world with the full formality and the dear and the sincerely and the best regards. And I'm getting back quick, hi, um, here's my message, gotta go. Uh, and you realize that we kind of get wrapped up in this cycle of overthinking and thinking that we have to maintain this facade of um, professionalism when really once you get there, you realize it's 
just people who are kind of living their lives and getting back right back to work. Yeah, so uh, very interesting. Um, anyone else, by the way, in terms of career stuff? But yeah, I mean, I think I think we we covered it pretty well. Um, I uh, I took a lot out of this episode too. I thought this was such a cool organization. What a great blend of sort of entrepreneurialism, um, a, a meaningful job, a meaningful career, and sort of a social justice orientation. So I, I, I was I was really impressed. So that's it for today's episode. Um, uh, you can and you should follow us on Instagram. Now I'm not such an Instagrammer. I'm pretty old. How about one of you tell me how, what's the Instagram? Tat, no, what do you call it? Link? Name? Or handle? Handle. There we go. Handle. <laughs> um, it's at From the Dorm Room Podcast. Ah, at From the Dorm Room Podcast. So you got to check that out. And we also have a Facebook uh, From the Dorm Room. Um, and we have Twitter and we have MySpace. No, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, please listen, check out our other episodes, tell people about the podcast, leave a review on iTunes. Those are really super helpful because they allow other people to discover the podcast. Um, and we will see you next time with a very, very interesting episode that I know about and no one else does. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you next time. Bye.